So for the past few weeks, we've been in Advent, and I didn't grow up in the Advent tradition. So coming into Advent, I've uh, been pastor here for like two years now, and so I'm still pretty new to it. So every time I come into Advent, I'm like, wait, what's Advent again? What's happening? So if that's you, uh, welcome. That's me as well. Um, Or maybe you grew up in it and you're already familiar, which is great. Uh, But the way I like to explain it is pretty elementary. Advent um, defined is just the arrival of someone noteworthy. So someone noteworthy shows up. That's Advent, all right? In the Christian tradition, uh, we believe that that noteworthy person, that someone who arrived that was really important is, guess who? Jesus. 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 Yes, all of you whispering so quietly, but yet so clearly somehow um, are correct. It's Jesus, right? And so whenever you see like a nativity scene in someone's front yard with Christmas lights around it, um, that's the first Advent. Okay, so when Jesus came, uh, as promised, as a little baby, uh, that was the first advent, God incarnate. God became flesh. Uh, And then also in the advent season, we look ahead to the second advent. Not only did Jesus come and die and resurrect and ascend, he said, I'm coming back. You know, that Revelations 21 passage that we've been talking about a little bit, uh, that he's going to come and make all things right. That is the second advent. So hilariously, or maybe not hilarious to you, hilariously to me, when we're celebrating Advent, we're actually not celebrating right now. Uh, We're celebrating then and then, okay? Um, But we go, hey, what does it look like for us to look at how God came and he's coming back, and then how does that impact us now? So that's what we mean by Advent. Does that make sense? Anyone have any questions? I thought you were raising your hand. I was like, someone actually has a question. Let's talk about it. All right. Um, Thank you, Jade. I'm glad you get it. So um, what I love about Advent is it's this opportunity to absorb things that we already know, but to sit in them long enough for it to really register with our hearts. This is what I've been saying every week. Uh, you know, there's things that you know super well, but they have no impact on your life because you know them so well. It's like examples like water and fitness. It's like, you know this, right? Water, good for you. Soda, bad. Like fitness, helpful not fitness, unhelpful, right? Um, But that doesn't always impact you. Like there's some things that you know so well, at at some point they just become redundant, right? Um, What I love about Advent is it's like, hey, Jesus was born, he came. I know. No, like God became a baby. Yeah, I know. No, like an infinite God out of his love for humanity took on flesh and rested in the hands of a woman at some point. And it's like, okay, let's just sit in that for a little bit. Now, why'd that happen? Let it sink, let it marinate, you know what I'm saying? And so um, I love Advent because it's gonna invite you to go, hey, I already know this, but this is my invitation to let it sink in a little deeper. Let it hit, okay? And so um, I invite you to just let these things soak in as I tell you things that you might already know. Okay, so today, as Sarah was saying, we're talking about peace and joy. And this teaching this morning will concentrate primarily on peace. And I hope you just experience the joy of the Lord this week, but we're going to talk about peace, okay? Um, All right, Uh, great. So I want you to do me a favor and join me with your imaginations by closing your eyes, all right? If you're a regular here, you're not surprised at all that I'm having you close your eyes and picture something. Everyone stop looking at me. Just look somewhere else. You don't have to close your eyes. Just don't look at me because it makes me feel like I'm failing as an instructor. Um, Close your eyes, and I want you to imagine... Imagine with me your best picture of peace. If you were ever to be in a peaceful moment, where are you? What's the view like? Who are you with? Go to your place of peace. Now, this may be a place you've never been before. Maybe it's a place you regularly go to. 
But when you think of, man, my life is totally at peace. This would be the place. This would be the circumstances. I want you just to picture, what's a place of peace look like to you? And I'm gonna give you a few seconds to consider that and then we'll, uh, we'll talk together. So go to that place of peace. Breathe deep, enjoy it in your mind. All right, exit that place of peace and enter back into this place of hopefully peace, all right? Um, I'd love to hear. So whenever you picture places of peace, whenever you went to that spot, uh, where'd you go? Someone just share. What would you picture? What comes to your mind whenever you think of peace? Yeah. Was it quiet, loud, windy? It was quiet, uh, very windy. Kind of Amazing. Makes sense. Was anyone else on a boat in Africa? Just what if? That'd be pretty cool. All right. Um, what else? Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. What else? Private island on a hammock. That's nice. Also, Wisconsin sounds good too. That's great. All right. What else? I love this. Let's do it. Let's keep going. Yeah. How was the view? Pretty crazy. Mountain view on top. What else? Yeah. Oh, that sounds so good sitting around a campfire with the family. Did I cut you off? Oh, sorry, make sure. And friends, okay. See, I did cut you off. That's an important, that's an important part. Friends are also there at the fire. One more. Yeah. On the roof of my college dorm in downtown Chicago. What, was that a good view? I bet it was. All right, roof of the college dorm in Chicago. Yeah, so um, wherever you went, um, you know, if I had to guess, no one went, no one like, wait, okay, my place of peace. And then you just pictured yourself resting on 440 in the middle of traffic because construction's still not done somehow. We're like experiencing eternity with 440 construction in Nashville right now, right? Like no one went to a traffic jam. You probably didn't picture like this all white room with a bunch of kids with finger paint all over, just like touching all the furniture. Like, you know, it's like, is that a weird picture? Okay, never mind, let's move forward. Um, uh, you probably didn't picture like a Google calendar that's just like overflowing with colors and things to do. And it just made you feel, you probably didn't picture a cubicle with, with files stacked up, right? Like you probably didn't picture chaos. You probably had more pictures like what we've heard, if I had to guess, right? On a boat in still water, on a mountain, on top of a dorm, uh, around a fire, all these things, right? It makes sense. And yet, if I were to ask you, okay, now we've had two sets of pictures. One, what you imagined, uh, that peaceful place. And the other one was the examples I just gave, traffic, calendars, all these things. But if you were to ask yourself, man, what does life feel the most like? Which set of pictures? I wonder what our answer would be. 
right? I, I wonder, do you ever get in that mindset where you kind of live life with this, if only I could blank, then I would have peace? And in different seasons, that blank changes. Oh man, if only, whenever this roommate moves out, order will restore. Everything will be great again, right? Or if only I could just, if I can get if these dots can connect and I can land this job with this kind of flexibility where I get to do what I'm passionate about, I'll have peace, right? Or man, after this season, maybe your vocations have seasons and you're like, man, after this, like once the busy season's done, I'll have peace. Do you ever feel like you can find yourself sort of on this like hamster wheel and it's like there's this piece of cheese and maybe written on the piece of cheese, it says peace, just to try to connect the metaphor here of the hamster wheel. Um, thank you for the laughter. That was very gracious. And, and do you ever feel like you're just like, if I can just pedal a little faster, right? if I can just run a little quicker, I'm going to get there. And then eventually you look up and go, wait, maybe I'm just on this endless loop and peace has always and will always be out of reach, right? And I think as I was thinking about, actually, as I was talking to some of our teaching team and um, just exchanging ideas, something that someone else said um, really stuck with me, um, and I'm going to share it with you. He said that, I think our world, which is very broad, so I know we all have our own definitions of peace, but to be broad, our definition of peace can be about the absence of things, right? So when the pain stops, when the chaos stops, when the noise stops, when things are removed, right? So when we pictured where we go, a lot of times we go somewhere else. Why? Because then here can't come with us. <laughs> we go over there, so here has to stay there. So over there has the absence of here. And so peace can become this like trick of, okay, what needs to be removed to bring me peace, right? And kind of started chasing this thought. If, but even if you got enough money to build the perfect life for yourself, to insulate yourself from all the chaos, everything. I wonder how long peace, because of the absence of things, would last, right? Because even then, maybe it still feels fleeting to me because you can't escape yourself, you can't escape your mind. And for being honest, our minds don't always feel just like perfectly at peace. And so I wonder if this method of, oh, I get peace by removing, by the absence of things, that's what brings me peace. Well, then you just sort of become uh, a slave to your circumstances, right? There's not a whole lot to do there. But as, we were thinking of, as I was thinking about the, the Christian narrative, I believe that absence is less, or nope, I believe that's of someone, peace. And we're going to talk about how Scripture depicts Jesus, and peace surrounds his life. But when you look at the life of Jesus, you get no sense that his life was absent of conflict, of stress, of pain, of unpredictability. Like, you don't get that sense, but you do get the sense that he's walking in deep peace. And so I want to just open our minds up and have this conversation around what if peace is not the absence of something? What if peace is the presence of someone and that we can actually take hold of it? And then hopefully I'm going to explain how we begin to take hold of it. And this is gonna be a little open-ended, right? This is a journey for us personally as we walk with God and as we walk in community, okay? Um, good? All right, so let's look at scripture for a little bit. And look, I have this big old list of scripture. And so I'm not really gonna have you turn anywhere. Um, you can write these down, or if you want, I can email this to you. Because um, it's a lot of scripture um, that I wanna break down. Um, if you are like, I kind of like to open my Bible to certain scriptures, turn to John 14, because we'll be there for um, a little bit longer. But anyway, all right. 
So let's talk about what scripture says about Jesus and about peace, all right? Isaiah, I'm gonna give you five, five different examples of where Jesus and peace are discussed. Before Jesus came, Isaiah 9 is prophesying about the coming of Jesus. And listen what it says about Jesus. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. That's pretty insane. I don't even know what that means, but the government will be on the shoulders of Jesus. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So Jesus is deemed Prince of Peace. Now, Prince is cool. In any context, it is really dope to be the prince of something, right? Even if someone was like, hello, I'm so-and-so, the prince of Smyrna, I'd be like, not super concerned about Smyrna, but pretty dope that you're the prince of it, right? Like, prince has got some serious swag on it. When I think of, like, prince, I think of, like, Aladdin and, like, all his sauce, just the drip on him. You know what I'm talking about? Like, prince is a cool thing. Thank you, Tanner. <laughs> I said drip. I thought about it before I taught. I'm going to try to say drip today. Um, anyway, um, I'm cool, right? Um, but being the prince of something, right? To, to be the authority over a province. And scripture goes, Jesus is an authority. He is a prince. He has power and he rules. And the thing that he brings with his government, with his power, is peace, which is a pretty cool thing to be the prince of. So scripture says, Jesus is coming, the son of God, this wonderful counselor, and he is a prince. And I wonder if, if you would have given out a fill in the blank, hey, the son of God is gonna be the prince of something. What's it gonna be? I just wonder what the answers would have been hey, this authority's coming and he's gonna free everyone and he's gonna be the prince of. I don't know what that would have been, but for scripture to say of peace, that's what he does with his authority. He brings peace. Like think about your favorite politician or least favorite politician and if you went, man, if they had to be the prince of something, fill in the blank, I bet you wouldn't say peace. But with Jesus, with his authority, he brings peace. So first, he's the prince of peace. Second, he's the bearer of peace. So Luke 2.14 says, glory to God. This is the angels talking, declaring Jesus is coming to the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. So at the announcement of his birth, it goes, with Jesus' birth, simultaneously, inseparable, comes peace. Right? Just imagine someone having a baby and announcing it on their Instagram, here's James, seven pounds, six ounces, bearer of peace. It's like, wait, what? What do you mean? <laughs> you can't say that about your baby. It might be a demon baby. Who knows? Like, there are no demon babies. There are only beautiful, innocent, sweet babies. Um, I'm so sorry. But, but for the angels to go, hey, this little baby is, please move past what I just said. Let's move past it. This is Advent season. There is hope and joy and peace and love. Give it to me right now. All right. Uh, but just imagine like the announcement of the birth of Jesus and the angels can say anything about how glorious and powerful and wonderful and majestic the coming of the Messiah is. Any vocabulary is open for this one. You can't go big enough for the coming of the Messiah. 
And the angels say, behold, he's coming in peace on those on whom his favor rests. With the coming of Jesus is peace on humanity. We could dig deeper into that story on the peace on those on whom his favor rests. The answer would be all those who want it, which is really, really cool. All these words could be used for Jesus' birth. And the angels choose to say, there is peace on those who his favor rests. So that's number two. He's the bearer of peace. Number three, he's the teacher of peace. Matthew 5, 9 he says, blessed are the peacemakers. And it's, you know, we kind of expect Jesus to say things like this, where if, if you're familiar with the Christian tradition, Jesus tends to say things like, blessed are the peacemakers, sweet things, anecdotes like that. But when you sit back and realize he's talking to disciples that go, I think this is the Messiah. And for them, they might've confused the Messiah, the one who was gonna free them, with the one who was going to overthrow with blood and violence, the Roman empire. And the disciples are listening and Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. And I almost wonder if the disciples went, okay, so once we behead all the Romans, we'll be peacemakers. Is that what you're saying? She's like, no, we're not waiting on anyone else to bring us peace. We're not gonna incite violence and then bring peace. Right here, right now, blessed are the peacemakers. So not only does scripture prophesy, the prince of peace is coming, the angels say he's the bearer of peace, that when we come to a place, we bring the influence of peace itself. So Jesus is the teacher of peace. Two more, okay? Four, he's the embodiment of peace. He doesn't just say it, he lives it. He does it through literal storms and proverbial storms. So if you remember the story where the storm hits, they're in this little boat, I don't know how technology was back then, but I imagine this boat was greatly threatened by storms because the disciples immediately begin panicking and they're like, we are going to capsize and drown. And they look to Jesus and he's doing what? Sleeping, the embodiment of peace. Jesus himself lives at peace even when his physical world is in disarray. But not only when the actual storm, literal storms come, when the proverbial storms come, Jesus, right before the Garden of Gethsemane, right before his arrest, that he has told them is coming, the disciples. He has told them, made it very clear what's about to happen. Before that happens, he looks his disciples in the eyes, and we'll sit here in a second, and he says, my peace, I wanna give to you in this moment. This moment where all of us would be like, all right, what's the exit plan? What's the strategy? How do we get out of this thing? Jesus is going, I've got this peace in me, and the thing that's on my mind moments before I die, is how can I give it to you? I want to give it to you. I want you to have this. That's the embodiment of peace. All right, so that's the embodiment of peace. Fifth, he is bringing a kingdom of peace. Isaiah 2, 4 says, nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war. Revelation 21, that passage you've been looking at, this promise of, of no pain, of, of no brokenness, of no more mourning. So this is Jesus. And I haven't, I don't, I don't imagine I've caught anyone off guard with the peace narrative around Jesus's life. No one's surprised. But consider for a moment what Jesus's life actually looked like. Name for yourself what he spent his time doing. So often, one, homeless, nomad. So let's just start at the ground level. He doesn't have shelter very often, right? He is constantly wandering about from town to town strategically, but we all know how nice it is to have like a home of stability. Jesus always moving around. He is often evading company that is trying to end his life before he will willingly give up his life. 
So he's just low-key doing that. He just will disappear out of nowhere because people want to murder him, right? Even his fans, even the people that go like, you're amazing. The minute he finds out his best friend has died and he tries to go and get alone, his people that love him are like, Jesus, we really need your attention right now, right? And Jesus responds with compassion. So even like the people that had the good intentions for Jesus were a little, they came at him, right? Like celebrity culture, we love to like worship people, surround them, like make them feel claustrophobic, celebrate them until they mess up and then tear them down. That's exactly what happens with Jesus. So when you look at his actual life, the events that surrounded it, man, I don't know that we'd go, man, that's, that's the peace of Jesus I'm talking about when I say I want the peace of Jesus, right? So it wasn't the absence, absence of hard times, the absence of disease, the absence of loss, all of that was present. So how do we begin to step into this peace that Jesus is walking in? That when Jesus' circumstances are, all right, look, Judas has betrayed Jesus, 30 pieces of silver, it's going down. That in that moment, Jesus, instead of looking at his, at his disciples, and I would have been cool with this, honestly, if he would have said, look, Judas done did what I told you he was gonna do, He's a rat. We already knew that. Let's think of a plan. How do we get out of this whole cross thing? Like, if you would have looked around and been like, let's think of an exit strategy. Let's, hey, y'all, quit worrying about yourself. I'm kind of worried about me right now. All of that would have made sense. But when his circumstances are in complete turmoil, he looks around and goes, there's this, like, look me in the eyes. There is this peace that I have in my heart. And as I'm coming to my death, which is the time to be the most honest, I just imagine I'll let it all fly when I'm about to die. If I, get to, if I get the grace of knowing it, I feel like I'll be super honest when I'm coming to the end of my life, right? No need for BS when you're dying. And as Jesus knows he's about to die, he says, I have this thing in my heart. I'm, I'm gonna give it to you. You get to have the peace in this world. Man, I tell you, it's gonna be trouble. It's gonna be hard. But you can take heart. I've overcome it. I give my peace to you. That's what Jesus is saying. It's like, I know that. Jesus, like, I've seen it on bookmarks and bumper stickers, peace and God, all that stuff. But man, soak in the life that was uttering these words. This is powerful. And so what does it look like for us to take hold of this peace? I don't believe it's the absence of something, but more the presence of someone. So I want to talk about what it looks like to step into relationship with God and to gain access to this peace. And this might be pretty simple to some of you, and, and hopefully it hits some of you with um, sort of freshness, but four things for how we step into peace in this season, how we can walk in the peace of God that I believe is legitimately and genuinely being offered to you as you sit in this chair this morning. First, I believe it's so important that we are, just, we are reconciled to God, that we are made right with the Lord. Colossians 1 Oh, hold on, I lost my sheet. Colossians 1, verse 21 says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of, because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you. So once you were alienated from God and God was not your enemy, but you were enemies in your own minds. So there's just this truth that sin is real, that there's spiritual warfare, and that sometimes... For us, we come across moments where we go, oh, I have made God an enemy in my life. Have you ever had a moment where you thought someone was mad at you and then you got mad at them in response? None of it was ever happening, right? It's like, what was that tone they just had? Are they mad at me? 
you know what, come to think of it, I'm mad at you. <laughs> I've got like three reasons, all right? How many reasons do you have? And all of it was fake, right? You ever have a moment like that? I think some of us, that's a stupid example, I get it, but I think that some of us carry a broken understanding of how God views us, and in response, we view God a certain way. We come in going, God is not here, he doesn't care, he is ashamed of me, I don't deserve it, blah, blah, blah. And what does that do? It totally impacts and shapes how we come into the presence of God. And scripture goes, no, 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 no. Let's get this really clear, all right? Like, let's really think about our foundation in our hearts here. You can alienate yourself and make yourself an enemy of God. But what God does, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. This kind of leads into point number two. So one, reconcile with God. And then two, to receive the truth. What happens when you accept Jesus, when you choose to give your life to God, to over and over again receive this truth? Have you ever heard the phrase, I'm a sinner saved by grace? That's so close to being right. You were a sinner and you are saved by grace. Scripture says, When you follow Jesus, when you make him the the Lord of your life, he presents you in that moment in the car or in your backyard or in your bedroom when you finally decide to pray and you're like immediately full of apologies and you're like, God, I don't even know how to talk to someone so distant and above and beyond and holy and righteous. I mean, what I just did 10 minutes ago prevents me from even feeling like I'm worthy to talk to you. Scripture says in Jesus' name that you are holy and blameless in the presence of a perfect, big, beautiful, all-power, all-consuming God. That when you come into the presence of God, you don't have to come with this lack of peace, with this inner turmoil. That when, when Jesus is your Lord, when you say, I'm going to follow him, you can bring every centimeter of your brokenness into the presence of God, holy and blameless. And a I'm not saying that we don't have like, things to deal with, right? That there's, that's why we feel the weight. There's, there's hard things that we need to wrestle with the Lord as he leads us to sanctification, to be more and more like him, to walk in his character. So don't think I'm just like throwing that out. But it is really important that at the root of all of this, that peace comes when we can know with all confidence we are right with God, right not by our own doing, that Jesus has, has done everything in his power and it was powerful enough to make us right before God, to be reconciled with God and to receive this truth over and over and over again that when you come to the presence of God, in Jesus' name, a very powerful name, in Jesus' name, you are holy and blameless. When is the last time you stepped into prayer and you let yourself say, God, thank you that as I talk to you as a child of God, I am holy and I am blameless. Don't, you, don't, you don't feel good enough for that, do you? No way. I can't say that about me. I cannot say that for myself. You don't have to. Jesus has said that for you. He has done that. His choice. We just get to go, I receive it. It's like someone just handing you a gift you never asked for, not even Christmas. They're just like, I just want to give you money. All right, reluctantly, I accept. (laughs) But I want you to know I'm reluctant. Like, I just want you to know that this feels weird, right? Say, Jesus, that's a bad example that falls well short of salvation. But 
Maybe some of you need to stop listening to the rest of my teaching and you just need to hear the action steps. Sometime today, go sit in the presence of God and tell God, thank you, Lord, as I sit here as your son, as your daughter, I am holy and blameless because you made it so. And just soak in that peace. I'm about to preach a whole other sermon. Um, let's get back to the notes. Number three, after being reconciled to God, receiving that truth over and over and over and over again, Number three, actively walking in relationship with King Jesus. Just staying close to Jesus. I remember I went on this hike at Percy Warner and I chose the two and a half mile route that went in a circle because I'm not in shape. So I wanted to do two and a half miles. I didn't, that sounded a little bit too much, but it was like one of the smallest ones available and I wasn't about to do five miles. So anyway, I started hiking. You ever think that hiking sounds good and then you hike for like seven minutes and you can still see the parking lot and you're like, maybe that was good. Like maybe I've done it because I just start panting really quickly when I'm hiking. Anyway, so I went on this hike to have peace and it didn't really feel it. But anyway, so I was walking and you know how you're supposed to like follow the little paint marks on the trees that tell you you're on the right path? Well, I'm by myself. And I know that like if you walk two miles versus hike two miles, hiking takes a lot longer. But I had been going for like an hour and I was like, there's just no way it takes this long to walk two and a half miles, even if I'm in the woods. And so I only had a granola bar and water. I was out of water. So I went ahead and ate the granola bar because I was like, I mean, who knows? Like, like, who knows if I'm going to make it home, but I'm going to need this sustenance, you know? And I just remember I got nervous and I'm, I can still see other parking lots. I know I'm fine, but I was kind of scared. Versus a few months later, my friend Daniel and I went hiking on the same trail and it did in fact take a lot less time. So I was lost at that one point. But anyway, Daniel's the guy that talked me into getting Chacos. And so he's like a granola guy. He would take that as an insult. He's a guy that's good in nature, all right? He's got good gear. He's talked me into a lot of good gear. Enos, backpacks, all the cool stuff that makes you an outside person. And so when we go on the hike, I never even looked for the markers on the trees. I didn't care. Daniel knows I'm good, right? Like, who cares? This guy knows way more than I do. I don't have to worry. That is a really bad example of the peace of Jesus, okay? That's the connection I'm trying to make there. There is something, though, that when storms come to your life, when uncertainty comes, when we don't know where we're gonna turn, as we walk closely with Jesus, we remember We like push away the false gospel that says, if you love God more, life will get easier. And we remember the act because he's been there, he gets it, that we have his Holy Spirit that he calls the spirit of truth, the helper that he's with us. And we get to walk in confidence despite our circumstances being in disarray. There's this thing that happens as we stick close with Jesus, not for tradition's sake, not to check the box, but to genuinely walk in the presence of God and just acknowledge you're with me, be with me. Here's what I'm feeling. I cast my burdens on you. I'm gonna choose to walk close with you, Jesus. As we walk in relationship with God, he gives us a confidence, a peace that scripture would say, and I can attest, is beyond understanding. I can't make sense of it. I'm at peace. My circumstances don't say peace. I'm at peace. Now, this is, this is a progression this gift of peace is slowly open. So if you go, man, I'm trying, I don't feel it, take heart. I do believe this unfolds over a lifetime. But I also think God has something special for you in this season. All right, last thing. Number four, rhythms of renewal. A lot of R's. Rhythms of renewal. 
Jesus will lead us into new rhythms. Jesus, as we walk closely with him, he will train us, he will, through himself, through the word, through his spirit, through community. He will teach us how to live, organize, structure our lives, what things to let go of, what things to step into so that we can better access the peace of God that's available to us. But don't get this twisted. It starts inside and works itself out. If we start with rhythms, if we start with just adjusting the things outside of our lives and don't start with the presence of God, reconciled, receiving the truth, walking in relationship, the patterns, the new rhythms in our life, those are just shadows of peace. Peace comes from the presence of God. But as we walk with God, he will teach us how to order and structure our lives in ways that promote the peace of God. Where culture promotes chaos and busyness and distraction and addiction to distraction, Jesus will teach us, begin teaching us you ever have a moment where you go, man, I think, I, I think my phone or I think this TV show or I think this thing is actually a detriment to the peace of my life. Oh, well, God's training you. Yeah, it, probably, it might be. That might be a thing that's happening. He's training you. Hey, let's go to a new rhythm. Maybe not every night for three hours. All right, let's, let's turn that dial down just a little bit, right? The Holy Spirit will begin teaching us new rhythms. I hope that one makes sense. I just think we're quicker to go to the rhythms before going to the presence and, and, and the heart stuff. Okay. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, Jesus and his peace, I believe that first he makes it with us. God wants to make peace with your heart first. Like for you to know that you and him are good. He wants to bring peace to you, to your life. And then he wants to bring it through you. There's this reality for us as Christians in the same way, I'm gonna get up and walk around. I'm getting excited, but I'm almost done also. Um, In the same way that when Jesus was born, the angels could say, he's the bearer of peace. With his presence comes peace. As we walk with God, we get to first receive the peace of God, all right? That slow unwrapping of that gift of peace. Reconcile that relationship, receiving that truth over and over again. But what's so amazing is as we live, we get to be bearers of peace as Jesus is a bearer of peace. Do you ever feel like you're just stuck in this reactionary mindset with peace? All right, when situations bring me peace, I'll be at peace. When situations bring me unrest, I'll be at unrest. There's this thing that happens for you, child of God, that you get to bring peace to situations. Like, what if you went home at Christmas? And some of us, you're looking forward to Christmas. That's a gift. Like, celebrate. It's amazing. And some of us go, no, home, not peaceful. Lots of stuff. And we walk in there with our proverbial shields just like up. Like, I'm just going to like try to resist the flaming arts, uh, the flaming arts, no, the flaming darts of Satan and of my mom. Like, I just, I just don't want to get hit, Right. And we just go, what's the least unrest I can feel? But what if like, God did such a work in your heart that he goes, I'm gonna help you not only be at peace, but bring peace to a room. What would that look like? What would happen if we stopped like, waiting on everyone else to make us feel good, make us feel at peace, and we said, how am I, God, gonna partner with you, Holy Spirit, and bring peace to this place? I know there's unrest. I'm not, I'm not at peace yet. All right, let's do this, me and you first. I'm gonna cast it. Here's what's going down. I hate all this. This is terrible. Will you please help me, <laughs> you know? But beyond that, not just for me, Jesus, you say like you came and said, love your neighbor as yourself. So God, will you help me to step into this situation and will you just light the way for me to take a small, simple step to bring peace to the situation? Don't wait for the roommate to move out before you make peace. Like don't let circumstances define how peaceful this thing is for you. Partner with God. God, how do not only do I, do I start with you bringing peace to my own heart, do I reconcile, do I confess, do I repent and I acknowledge the blamelessness over my whole life, but also how does it go beyond me to someone else? And so, you know, for the past few weeks, I've been saying that 
uh, Andrew, the campus pastor at Marathon, he had this really cool quote that he was quoting from someone else who he wasn't sure it was. So I don't know who said this. But he said something like, your mind tends to take the shape of what you think about the most. So AKA, there is power in what you constantly think. That actually matters, right? And to a certain extent, we can't control our thoughts, but I also know to a certain extent, we kind of can. That our minds, whatever they're thinking about the most, will adapt to, will transform into. And I wonder how often you give yourself the chance to sit in solitude and go, God, you are here and you're a God of peace. Thank you for being a God of peace. I will meditate on the peace you bring. God, I don't feel it, but I'm gonna choose to try and receive the peace you bring to my life. And I wonder how often we just let our brains just sit, don't go anywhere. Don't go to the next thing. Don't move. Don't even go to the prayer request yet. (laughs) Just, God, you're a God of peace. Thank you. And you're here. You're in this car. You're in this backyard. You're in this dorm room. You're in this bathroom. You're in this bed. Like, you're with me, Lord, and you're a God of peace. Thank you for being a God of peace. And so as we go to communion today, that's what I want to invite you into. This may be painfully simple but painful because you have to sit still and let yourself feel almost your resistance to peace, to calm. But over communion, a lot of times we circle up, but Advent really has me in this like individual like reflection moment. And in January, we'll get right back into circling up groups. But for today, I want to invite you to get communion and with the bread and the juice, sit and soak in the peace and the presence of God and I'm not saying you're going to do this with full belief or without any fatigue. You might sit and soak and take a nap by accident. Maybe that's what God had for you. But to sit and soak, God, you are here. I say that with 10% belief or 110% belief, but you're here. You are a God of peace. Jesus, you slept in a boat, and right before you were murdered, you looked at your disciples and said, my peace I give to you. God, that's what you do. You bring that kind of peace. You're here. Thank you. Will you give me, will you help me to take hold of that peace and just receive the peace of God in your heart? I'm uncomfortable stopping my teaching right there because I love to give like three or four step plans that are super simple and easy, but I think this one's up to our hearts, engaging the spirit of God, okay? Um, I'll be at the front, so if you want to pray or talk, just come, come sit here, but I'll pray and then I'll dismiss this to communion to just sit in the presence of God for a little bit. Thank you, Lord. Um, God, peace feels far-fetched. Um, sometimes, uh, that's not for all of us. Some of us think it's, it's right here and it's with us, which is so good. God, for those that, that feel, that haven't sat outside in a long time and just like soaked in the fact that they're alive and that you're with them. Help them to take, a, take advantage of this moment. Right now, you're just at church. You're not going anywhere. So you can just take advantage of having a chance to sit and be honest with the Lord, to go on a walk outside and be honest with the Lord, to go sit on the steps and be honest and just soak in the presence of God. God, please help us do that. Lead us by your spirit. Um, Help us to sense the freedom in this moment that we can walk and choose to sit in your presence right now. God, for those of us that have been avoiding it for very specific reasons, give us the confidence, the courage to go for it, just to step in and be honest with you in Jesus' name. Amen.